still I look at it as my my medicinal practice and it's like I definitely know that I'm not healed and I'm still like my brokenness is my wholeness it's a daily not quite struggle but dance sometimes struggle with those dark thoughts and that the sadness and the hopelessness so yoga gives me like energy and balance to be able to remember that everything passes and it's not going to last forever when that stuff does come and the more i do it the more immune i am to the those dark feelings and dark thoughts you know welcome to a curious yogi podcast i'm your host bobby here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Welcome, welcome back, yogis. I'm also back after a month hiatus. Took some time off to host my yoga sadhana retreat in southern Nicaragua. It was so amazing. I'm still super lit. And to give you a little context, if you can hear dogs, trucks, crickets, I'm coming to you from Costa Rica post-retreat as I edit and share this week's very, very special episode. It's such an honor to introduce you to my teacher and friend, Ryan Lear. Ryan is a globally known yoga ambassador, leader of the One Yoga community, founder of the nonprofit initiative Vinyasa Yoga for the Youth, and devoted student of the Krishnamacharya lineage, of which he has studied extensively with many of the most revered teachers in the modern history of yoga. He's also a father, partner, and friend to many around the world. Mental health challenges have recently altered Ryan's life and practice. This intense period of darkness has ignited in him a renewed relationship and passion for sharing the profound healing power of yoga. In this heartfelt conversation, Ryan shares his struggles, his triumphs, and his deep wisdom learned through lived experience. With humility and grace, Ryan sweetly reminds us of all the ways we can move forward from the most difficult of times. Please listen, share, and continue to spread awareness of mental health illness and how it affects all communities, yoga included. I'd also like to preface this episode with a trigger warning as there is multiple mention of suicidal thoughts and ideations. If you or someone you know is suffering with mental health and concerned with suicidal ideations, please know that help is available to you. I've listed some professional resources available to Canadians in the show notes, and if you're not in Canada, please reach out for professional help in your local community and to your loved ones. You are not alone. Let's let Ryan's story be a beacon of hope and a reminder there is a way out. Here's our conversation. Yeah, I'll just start by welcoming you to the podcast. You've definitely been someone that I started this podcast like about a year and a half ago that was like dream guests, like who do I want to have a like deep intimate conversation with? And Ryan was always like high up on that list. So I'm so honored and just delighted to spend this time with you and want to start by really, really appreciating you. And you're such a 
model and deep inspiration to a lot of people, myself included. So just start with that real appreciation for you. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Bobby. Those are very kind words. And I'm honored to be here as well. Thanks for inviting me. I'm stoked to get into it. I love talking about yoga and it would be nice to get to know you a bit. Yeah, exactly. That's like something I feel with this podcast that has been like such a blessing in my life. I get so lit after these conversations just to meet with beings who are also on this path, who are also deeply curious about what it means to be human, what it means to be a yogi, all these questions. So it's like, it's kind of a selfish project that I've taken on because I get so much from it too. <laughs> Amazing. I, it's funny, last week I was talking to one of my teachers, Danny Paradise, really magical man and I wanted to interview him I was like I need to start doing this so um I hear you and I I feel this like I want to create some of this in my life too so this is a good lift off for me totally like that's what inspired me to to start having these conversations and sharing them because I mean I think we'll probably get into this but like somehow I've met so many people that are on this yoga path or even like exploring spirituality and it can be so isolating I always grew up like feeling kind of like a weirdo and then suddenly when I met my yoga community I was like these are my people but that like interim it can be so lonely and so now we have technology like this where maybe someone can tune into this conversation and be like oh my gosh, Ryan Lear, you're such an inspiration. Come to One Yoga, join the 40 days. And suddenly they have their communities. We have these like little technological weapons that we can use to connect us. It's great. Right on. Yeah, I like you saying technological weapons. It's like, I've been reflecting lately, like spending so much time on Instagram as I've kind of re-ignited um, my career or my dharma and the studios so i'm like wow this can be a tool i can use to create community and to share fun beautiful deep whatever things i can come up with but it also can take so much energy and like take me out of my practice so i haven't seen that side of this though this is really good to connect um, virtually I'm surprised actually it surprises me over and over how connected we can be like just through a screen mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree and actually I think that's like a good kind of starting off point for our conversation like talking about the power of Instagram and I know you've just shared and come back online recently with so much vulnerability and courage and inspiration like I'm sure you've you got such a big response when you came back online and shared about your mental health challenges and I just think that it's such an important conversation that to be had like there's this maybe false illusion or idea like a master yogi or someone as well known as you like wouldn't suffer but actually we all suffer and I loved the way in which you came back online so maybe we could just start our conversation by you shedding some light onto your journey and where you've been and how you came to this moment, you know? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I posted, go onto Instagram, y'all, and check out my post. I put a lot of time and energy into it, and my amazing partner 
helped me to communicate as clearly as I could at that time, like what my journey has been. And so long story short, spent my probably from like seven years old to 47, I think I am. I sometimes forget my age, 47 years old, dealing with anxiety at the beginning. And then it became like by university days, depression. And so it was like a reoccurring thing. And I had coping mechanisms to deal with it and to pull myself out. And so at the beginning, it was sports. Like I could give myself to hockey until I was 11. Then I got into basketball and played like pretty much every day. Well, that's an exaggeration, but it was on my mind or I practiced like till I was 27 as a hobby and as a career. So I used sports to get myself back straight. In high school, I took a, a religious studies course, like intro to world religions or something. And I started to learn about Eastern philosophy and Buddhism and meditation and yoga and it was always really interesting. So I started practicing that a little bit and it would help me to get my mind clear. And then when I just started, like took a weekend yoga teacher training, can believe that I could teach after a weekend. And, um, <laughs> then I became enlightened. No, then um, <laughs> I started like getting super depressed and I wasn't finding a way to get out of it. And I had a broken relationship. I had a young daughter. And I remember when I really realized how dark it was, my sister called me and I said, I'm just trying, this isn't, this isn't a short story. I guess it's a long story. And I said, um, I'm just trying not to jump out the window. And then I kind of woke up to it. And thankfully around that time, my friend got me into yoga classes. And so I went to this workshop with a senior Iyengar teacher we did all these back bends and it was like something happened on that weekend. And I just like, I must've cried for 45 minutes after these intense back bends. And I didn't really know what it was, but I felt this healing, like something had, had started to move towards healing from the mental stuff, like from the depression. And so I gave yoga a chance and it became my coping mechanism till I was 47. And over the years, I would go to it and it would bring me out. And then a couple, like three years ago, after the beginning of COVID, I loved being isolated and doing my practice every day and being with my daughter at home. And then after a few months, it just got super dark and I lost the yoga studios over that time. I lost... Um, my connection to the outside world because I used to just travel around and be at studios and be able to connect and I went super dark and I couldn't get out and eventually like my parents came to take care of me and I went through all of these different modalities to try to get my mind right like all kinds of electroshock therapy ketamine therapy TMS like everything I could and I couldn't get out of it and I just was praying every night that I would not wake up. And this is backwards. Another thing that got me out was having my daughter. And so she's the, the link, the 21-year-old Kaya. She's the link to keep me going. So I would never do anything because I have her, thankfully. 
So I ended up going to a treatment center for depression. My ex-girlfriend, who's amazing, put together three of my friends who have a whole bunch of money and are very kind. And they sent me to this two-month healing center for mental health. And it's like, it's also for addictions and um, alcoholism. And it was on this, it's on this sacred um, mountain to the indigenous Saanich people. And I just was pretty hopeless. I met my partner a couple months before I decided with her encouragement to go to this center. And I just dove in and decided that I would do whatever they told me, do all the work. And I decided to recommit to my yoga practice, pranayama, meditation, kriyas. And since that day, I haven't given up my practices and it was also in the nature so I'd go outside for like usually 40 minute walk or up to two hours I do all my practices have a cold shower I do my journaling and then I do all the CBT and trauma healing stuff and it's that daily discipline I believe that really started to turn the tide and to get my mind going in a positive direction rather than towards darkness Wow, just hearing you speak is in one really inspiring to hear that you can step from that darkness, from that real depth of like loss of community, feeling of suffering and isolation to then step towards the light, which I think, you know, a lot of people when we're in that 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 frame to get from the darkness over into that space of healing and community and opening is is such a huge leap. And I think something that's interesting about what you shared about your story is how yoga was your coping mechanism for so long. And then in that deep, dark time, it fell away. And then how you came back to the yoga. And before you describe yoga as your coping mechanism, would you say that now that you've come back to your daily practice, is it coping mechanism? Is it like healing tool? Like how has your view or your experience of your practice shifted in this time? Yeah, thank you. Probably has gone more to, and I would say the quote, one of my teachers said, yoga is mind medicine. So I look at it as my my medicinal practice, like to, and it's like, I definitely know that I'm not healed and I'm still like my brokenness is my wholeness I still Mm. like it's a daily not quite struggle but dance sometimes struggle with those dark thoughts and that like the sadness and the hopelessness so yoga gives me like energy and balance to be able to remember that everything passes and it's not going to last forever when that stuff does come and the more I do it the more immune I am to the those dark feelings and dark thoughts you know I got to stay on brand with my green juice oh nice green juice in the mason jar I love it but I can totally relate to what you're saying about healing as a wholeness which I think is something when I came to yoga it was 
something that appealed to me as someone that came also to yoga, like feeling very broken and confused and dark and just this knowledge or this wisdom that actually you are perfect and whole and the essence of your being is already yoga and that that yes, we have the dance of being a human and navigating our individual nervous system and mechanisms with all its nuances and individuality, but like at the essence that that like kind of anchorage of the daily practice to just keep remembering whether it's a good day or a bad day, whatever the mind decides or whatever circumstance decides, it's such a like, ah, it's like a grace to have that. No doubt. Thanks for sharing that. I I like the remembering, you know, the natural state. Yeah, you have your lineage and your and your teachers and what's shaped you as a teacher. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. But would you say that your practice has evolved over the years or even in these last six months since you've come back to your practice? Like how has your yoga practice, your spiritual practice shifted or evolved as you've gone from seven to 47 yeah and one thing I didn't mention when you asked that I just remember that I chant every day and sing and my practice used to be getting on the mat and working like sweating doing all the things and I had a shift when my daughter was, she was little doing gymnastics and I was not into like the competition of it and the competitiveness. So I wasn't super supportive. And like one day she's at a competition, she's probably nine years old. And I remember it so clearly, I'm like putting my yoga mat out to practice to do, make sure I do my daily thing. And I'm just like, what? am I doing like I got to go and be there for my daughter and I I got goosebumps probably gonna make me might make me cry and I go into the thing and walk and sit down and she like looks over and the look on her face was just like at that moment I realized my yoga practice wasn't just the asana and the asana is so powerful and the pranayama is so powerful and the meditation is so powerful but it's like the root of all those practices is my practice. Like I work to try to be kind and to try to be, I work to be kind and to be truthful. Of course, I don't always make the mark, but my practice is now like my whole life, not just my mat. Although my physical practice is so important, like for my mental and physical health, but my practice is now my life. And one of a couple of teachers have said like the hardest, most difficult challenge in yoga is to be in relationship and to do the right things in the, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, one, sorry, one thing, Bobby, I'll just, I remembered what you asked me. My practice is way more restorative now and more about the breath. Like to me, the spirit is a breath. And like a spiritual practice is, has to do with the breath. So I'm really committed to the breath now and um, less sweat. Although I think it's a really great way to, to work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see like through the phases of our lives or even like the phases of our week, how 
we can use the tools of yoga to navigate the waves of life based on where we are and what's in front of us and I think that's a good point that you made about showing up for your daughter like what does it matter if you can stand on your head for three minutes if you're not showing up for your daughter and I think we can all relate to that like that anything can kind of become fanatical or like a distraction from doing the work to be in life and like something that attracted me to one yoga like from the very beginning I think I'd gone to the studio in Vancouver once like I live in Alberta but like reading on the website somewhere or like somewhere something about like the experiencing the oneness of yoga which in the yoga world we live in it's not so often that we get to be in community with yoga practitioners that are so committed to like living the oneness of yoga in our lives like really off the mat and like on the mat off the mat that's kind of like a catchphrase now but it's so true and I think it's something that you you really live and embody so I love that you are an example you're also very humble that I'm wondering how it's been for you being in the yoga world becoming so well known like has that how was has that experience been like did you feel pressure at any time? Like so many people look to you and look up to you and want to be taught by you and be with you. Thank you for being so kind again. Um, when I do, or if I do get a podcast, I want to ask you about your practice and how it's evolved and what you do and all of that. So as I started to get out there and like people would recognize me or get known, I would, like my ego really liked it because I have such like deep insecurity about myself and about who I am. And so for many years, that kind of gave me my ego a boost. And with that, I also know that my karma yoga was strong and like I was getting it to people and getting it to these different programs like to get it up north to get it to the youth and to have these studios where it was okay to practice Iyengar it was okay to practice Shishtanga you could do headstand before shoulder stand or you could do shoulder stand before headstand and you wouldn't get kicked or thrown out so as the years kind of went by I became pretty busy like traveling, teaching, and also having these studios where I tried to delegate everything. And it's interesting because my two of my main teachers, like Danny Paradise and Sri Ramaswamy, one said, just like stop traveling and practice. That's what Danny said. He's like, just don't miss a day and like don't worry about that other stuff. Maybe you should consider not being like a businessman. I wouldn't wear the suit, you know, and I wasn't very very good I was at the beginning I got like new best new business of the year in Saskatoon but anyway um I ended up losing all the studios and losing everything but Ramaswamy my Sri so Ramaswamy said stop being a businessman just like practice and teach and so I was kind of through COVID forced into that and now I'm very content doing my practice every day, settling down into my little town here with my little amazing family and beautiful um, 
pace that I used to run around and constantly burn out. I want to be in community. I want to build community. I want to be a part of studios, but I don't want to be the main part. And I'm also like within this one yoga community, I've made it so much about me and my, I'm a Leo and my ego is pretty big. Me too. <laughs> are you? <laughs> We're the best. <laughs> we are the best. <laughs> I, um, I'm definitely going to send you some lion gear. And um, yeah, now I want it to be like a community and I want there to be a bunch of main teachers because I know so many beautiful teachers who are sharing like what I believe is authentic yoga. Mm, but I loved what you expressed that what is the point of yoga the oneness the equanimity or the equalness that we have so I think that's something that's important to remember like as we look to our teachers and as we look to our elders or like those models that we have in our communities yoga and otherwise what is the essence of yoga it is that oneness that we're in it together it's a shared experience yes it's a private independent work that we do with ourselves and yet we need each other too and like if one person is here and one person is here that's not a reciprocal relationship which is to me is also such a part of yoga it's like having this community you know yeah those teachings match what I've been learning with my indigenous community and, and elders like about us being all related and all equal and all our job one of my elders said our job is like there's nothing we have to do except for love each other and it's like so such hard work I have trouble sometimes even loving my own family you know mm -hmm. yeah the oneness yeah like my teacher one time said that love can never be understand understood with the mind because the mind only creates duality or separateness whereas true love is true yoga where it's that essence which is without condition but to to practice that as a human being with a mind and an ego and an intellect and all this discerning mechanism it's such a work like it's so easy for me to say I love you Ryan I love my yoga but like can I love that person that has wronged me how hard it is to like do that work which like okay then now I'm practicing yoga because the when I of course I can love someone that has a similarity to me but would it work to love someone even sometimes that is our own self I can also relate to those feelings of deep insecurity like because I feel separate from my own self so to love that is like that's a big work <laughs> Right I'm wondering like you spoke a little bit about your teachers but what lineage and is it that you practice you follow I know you are so open about prioritizing authentic and traditional yoga in the sense like not in the sense like headstands before backbends or any of that but how would you define your lineage that you share and what is authentic yoga to you yeah it's such a loaded question, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't really know how 
far back my lineage actually goes. And I've got a couple streams that I am connected to. Like mainly Krishnamacharya and his students, like have brought me to that river. And there's a couple like Babaji, kind of like Kriya yoga lineage. And then I'm the biggest yoga nerd with all these yoga books. So I like have other really influential teachers, but I would say mainly the Krishnamacharya lineage. And he was very, for people who don't know, he's very instrumental in getting yoga to regular people and getting it to women and getting it out of India around the planet. And there are other people who did that, but he's one of the ones who is instrumental in what we're most of us are practicing today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting because like there is now in Western yoga, me as like, I'm just speaking from my own experience, it's diverged from traditional yoga. So like, I also feel really it's important for me to practice and share more of a traditional style of yoga and yet we are individuals and we're teachers and we have our own personalities and things that resonate with us and we share what we practice so it's like there's space kind of for both I guess but then actually someone I was talking to recently he said something so amazing actually was a guest on the podcast he said like yoga is fine like we don't need to worry about yoga because no matter what we put on it, yoga is fine. And I just, I love that because it is fine. Yeah, word. And I like what you're talking about. And I feel like authenticity is kind of what you're, when you're bringing those things to individualize, it's like there's this thing, this authenticity that for a while, I just wanted to repeat what my teacher said and teach exactly like to keep it intact. And I also realize that the world is changing and it's like yoga is alive. And it's like a living, to me, it's alive and it's a living thing. And so I'm sure it's going to transform and morph. I just, I believe what you said, that yoga is going to be all right. And I also believe it's us, up to us to tend the garden, like to make it, to compress that evolution so it'll be faster or, you know, like making mm -hmm. sure that we keep the love that you spoke to behind it and the oneness and it doesn't just become about like doing a headstand, although that's mm -hmm. all I have on my Instagram. <laughs> I love that stance too. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that then it also speaks to the accessibility piece like yoga is for everybody like it doesn't matter if you've been inside a yoga studio yoga as we know like ancient yoga and in the scriptures like to do yoga all you have to do is sit and close your eyes like anyone can practice that regardless of your race your nationality your age like so I think too it's important that we keep sharing that because if someone, especially over here in the West, is like looking to yoga, it might feel not accessible. Like I can't go into a yoga studio and I don't know, like my mom, for example, like I'm like, mom, you can do yoga. She's like, I am not in shape. I can't do yoga. Like I'll be so nervous and this and that. I'm like, you know, but that's kind of the 
the way I think that's why it's important that we share and keep it accessible that like yoga is for everybody like the handstands or the I can't do a handstand <laughs> the handstands are fun and playing with the handstands but like really that's just kind of like you know the flair that goes on top of it like what is yoga really is that deep inner remembering like we said before about who am I like what does it mean to be human and divine like how that's like what yoga is to me me too Mm -hmm. before when you were talking about what you were learning with your elder or no I forget what you were saying but I it made me think of this saying that I had heard like a long time ago maybe like early in my yoga life but somehow it just like I always remember and that's freedom in discipline like and I have this like visualization of these two like kind of pillars or walls and then in between that like life flows and it feels like that's what the practices and the tools of yoga are is these kind of like pillars we can rely on but like also there's a freedom and a flow in that as well yeah I love that it's interesting one of my favorite translation commentaries on the yoga sutra of Patanjali is by Barbara Miller and she called the book like yoga a discipline of freedom and so Mm -hmm. I think there's so much to what you just said about the freedom and the discipline and the yin yang and the skutasukha like the male female the doing the undoing the giving the receiving the pushing the letting go yeah it's such a I I love that idea of the yoga being that middle path like that the Buddha taught and that Krishna talks about to Arjuna about equanimity Mm -hmm. me too and that like I also love this visualization of like a pendulum swing like a pendulum swings one way and with equal force it swings the other way. And just now when you were speaking, it made me kind of think about this journey that you've been on, how going through this like extremely dark, difficult time, you know, and now you're coming out of it and allowing the light, the pendulum to swing the other way, which actually can bring so much more awareness and evolution for you as an individual but also for you as a family member and a community member would you say that now this you know before you spoke about kind of reigniting your career just coming back into this space of your yoga community would like what kind of realizations or like you know illumination has come out of that swing from darkness into the light I realized how precious the community is and how precious my friendships. And I look at my yoga. Now I look at my yoga teachers rather than just putting them on these pedestals as my friends, also my teachers, and I'm very respectful. And then there's my students who I often thought of as my students, but they're my friends too. And so that has become really clear to me how grateful I am for the people who have kind of stuck by me when I went through the darkness and also the people who have let me be human because I've made so many mistakes and there's a lot of people who really did try to take me out 
and like destroy me. So I realized the kind of the dark side of, of being like in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So when, when you were speaking about like being in the spotlight, being the businessman, having the studios, traveling all over the world, and then during COVID, really losing that all and like having the rug kind of pulled out, out from under you, have would you say that that was kind of has been a teaching in itself to lose everything you went through the darkness now you're really coming out of that suffering but is it is there like a grace in that as well totally it's given me access to understanding more about what so many like people on the planet go through and as you were saying that I had a flash like I I said my friends who stuck by me and this would be interesting. I don't know where you're at because the other day I posted something and I got somebody really upset that I am being a yoga practitioner and teacher and aligning myself with Lululemon. And when I really dropped off the planet and was like two, probably two years of this really not doing anything for Lululemon except the odd event but they that company really stuck by me and like I lost so much I went into so much debt losing the studios and not working and stuff but I had friends who stuck by me and also that company I just I feel like there's a lot of people who are hating Lululemon and they're definitely not perfect and there there's things that they can do to help the planet there's things that they can do to make yoga more accessible. But there's also, I just wanted to shout them out because they have kept me able to be, not just have to stay in my my parents' house to survive, like to actually be able to keep moving forward. And they kept me on as a global ambassador through all that when I wasn't doing anything for them. And the only thing I would get from them is like, how are you? Is there anything we can do to help you? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good reminder that support and community can come from unassuming places. Like, can we practice yoga by recognizing that there's good people working at Lululemon, that there's what is the underlying essence? Sure. Like, yes, like you said, Lululemon can do better. And I, I really appreciate that you you're sharing that because full disclosure, I'm someone, I mean, I'm wearing Lululemon pants right now, but I diss on them. So it's like, but you make such a good point that like, it's actually not about Lululemon. It's about connection and belonging and community and support. And that's, that's what kept you afloat. And think that's what keeps all of us afloat. Like we have this shared experience to be seen to be supported to know like we're not alone in this journey and you coming out and sharing all of that so openly is a good reminder like we all feel the ebbs and flows of life like yes it's on a spectrum some might go deeper and darker than others but like it's a shared experience and you know someone there's always be haters I guess when I look at it from where I'm standing I think it's so amazing how you've shared that part of your life like so openly rather than keep it 
hidden away and just to keep an image like it's not about an image it's about connection and belonging and how do we connect and belong it's with vulnerability and openness and like not perfection just the work and the dance like you said before yeah thanks for acknowledging that that was a challenge to be vulnerable like about something there's so much shame around mental health issues and being really sick and 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 having to ask for help you know and yeah one of my yoga teachers actually maybe it was even you I quote you a lot in my classes like your rhymes (laughs) like the hyper extenders become micro benders like I I take that one maybe it was you maybe someone else said like about take using props and support in our yoga practice actually speaks to like the most advanced yoga practitioner because of the humility that it takes to to lean on something or someone like that actually speaks to the the evolution of the being that says I I need support I need help where can I where can I turn to ask for that without fear of being shamed or judged Beautiful. I don't, th- I don't believe that was me. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we're not, we're not getting any younger. Eventually we'll probably have to uh, use those props. Now I'm like, I don't do a practice without the couch or a bed or blocks or a bolster or a strap. I don't remember the last time I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like in the same way, when was the last time you went through a hard time without leaning on someone's shoulder or crying to a friend? Like, when does yoga really serve us? When we're like all high and having the best day ever on the lake or whatever, or like, does yoga really serve us when we're in those dark times? Like, and I know maybe you can speak a little bit to this, how you shared that you your yoga practice did drop off at a certain time. I mean, that's also okay. Like, but when it falls away to not make oneself wrong for that, you know, did you have that experience when you let your practice or your practice just wasn't, wasn't there with you in that certain time? Like, yeah, I didn't feel like worthy of teaching because I wasn't practicing. Uh, Did I make myself wrong for that? I think so. I think it was. I believe I did. I'm not quite sure, but I know like I would try to get back to it, but nothing would change. So I would give up on it. And I thought that I'd be on saving, like that I would never practice or teach again. But I don't know. I think I've made myself wrong more than not practicing wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure. Mm-hmm. Something you said at the beginning about how the longer you practice, the kind of more resilience or immunity one gains within themselves like when you did decide to come back this is like riding a bike you know you've you know the practices you know the techniques you've got your sadhana toolkit there when you're ready to like open the open the what is it called what does a carpenter have like a toolbox you were ready to open the toolbox and get back to work it was there waiting for you I think that's something too that's so amazing to remember every day that we practice it's like putting money into the karmic bank this may not serve me today but it might serve me in five years yeah word up it's um yeah we are building up that bank account 
I, I feel like it's related. One thing I do want to share is when I was trying to get myself out, I went like to intense Iyengar, um, Father Joe Pereira, it's like 45 years with Iyengar teacher, amazing, amazing teacher, like Mother Teresa and Iyengar were his, he calls them his Eden Pingala, and <laughs> Jesus is his Shishumna, but he's a priest who calls God she, like it, it's pretty um, interesting. Anyways, a really strong teacher, and we did these intense practices every morning. And so this is when I was really sick, I went and I did it. And then I went home and practiced like, it was about an hour each morning, 45 minutes to an hour, like really intense poses. And I did it around 20 days. And it was and after the 20th day or whatever, whatever day it was, I'm just like this, I still feel like I don't wanna be here. This isn't working, it's not gonna work. And I left it. And then when I went to the treatment center on the first day, I said, I'm going to do three poses each day. And then very soon it turned into like 30 poses each day or, you know, and then it mm -hmm. became harder not to practice than to practice, which is a good sign for me when it's like that, en that energy is good flowing in that direction or that groove is made, you know. Mm -hmm. Starting back with three poses a day. That's also such a good teaching or like effective reminder of the power of simplicity like I think to modern postural yoga is kind of like it's a it is a kind of a gymnastics kind of focused body focused thing and like we don't need to do an hour and a half asana class every day to practice yoga like three poses a day and then the how that can build like I read the book um atomic habits and just recently and I thought it was like this is so applicable for sadhana our daily practice like master the art of showing up and like the positive feedback loop in your brain just by like okay I, I can do three asanas or I can do two minutes of pranayama and how that can slowly build those habits either from the beginning or to re reintroduce deeper longer practice into our lives that's such a good teaching to remember too yeah and within that what you just said keep showing up that's like that's what Danny my partner was saying to me when I was just starting to get into programming and treatment and when it was really hard she just like just keep showing up you know every day just show up and eventually it's gonna work and when I was like super I hope it doesn't trigger anybody but really suicidal and like in the dark she was just like you know, just keep waking up and keep showing up. This is going to pass. And I know it is. And I was like, it's not like I'm stuck here. And she's like, no, just her, her um, mantra was basically keep showing up. Beautiful. And also probably the power that it had on you to have her keep showing up, you know, again, like such a reminder, like we're not in this alone, like, to feel isolated and alone is such a hard place to be in. And I think for anybody listening that is going through a hard time or does feel isolated, it is, again, just such a good reminder to like reach out. Like there is somebody there that will keep showing up for you so that you can feel supported to keep showing up. 
we could all probably just close our eyes and it's like you have that person or those one or two people like that could possibly be that for you so props to Danny <laughs> yeah yeah it was interesting I felt so unlovable and so so it was nice to have someone who just loved me even though I was in this like horrible dark place it was like just being getting someone that actually loves you just like my parents were very loving and supportive my daughter was but this was a little bit different it like gave me a, a different like I that somebody outside my family could actually love me just as I am because of like mm. I take my yeah I don't want to downplay the importance of like my parents and my daughter and some of my dear dear friends you know mm -hmm. but I had a good team of people who stuck by me like mm -hmm. man Bobby I was like at home at home at my parents home like they came to take care of me and then I ended up moving with them and putting all my stuff in storage still on the prairie I probably like I don't think I smiled for like a year probably I was I don't know if I'm exaggerating I just sat there and every day my parents were like so supportive and like fed me and gave me to, wanted to take me for a walk or would I was so blessed to have such a supportive family and my daughter is and always has been the most accepting of me and loving it's really really blessed wow beautiful it's really touching to hear you express in that way and also yeah just again it's such a reminder that we can't do life alone like when we're in those positions of vulnerability and need to be taken care of and fed and like there's you're not wrong in that and that you would do that in a heartbeat for your daughter for your parents it's like such a reciprocal relationship which again speaks to the oneness of yoga like to receive the help and then to offer it back which you live that you the things you've done in your community and with youth and making yoga accessible and all that like we all serve in whatever ways something shows up we respond and to be one that's in service being in service to me means receiving service as well like I think for big egoistic Leos speaking for myself it can it can be the the humility to accept help is like oh it's like painful almost sometimes I'll give everything to everybody but when it comes to me I'm I also last winter I went through a really hard time and I moved back in with my parents for five months and I was out here in Alberta in the middle of the blizzard snow thinking what have I done but thinking less or something but then coming out of that it was like actually such a teaching and like a grace to be able to say okay I need help I'm accepting help I'm getting better for it and like to also have a new view on my family that I didn't maybe have before like there was a teaching in that for me too yeah I'm glad you got it those family triggers oh my god um, it's funny you I had no idea you're in Alberta I look at you as having such an authentic um yoga practice I thought that you would live in India or something 
Well, I, I do actually have a place in India and I'm there about oh, okay. half the year, but my parents have a cattle ranch in Southern Alberta. So I'm like a proper Alberta girl, but living two very different worlds. But last year, yeah, I went through a hard time and I didn't have the money to get back to India. And like, I had my place there, but I couldn't get there. And it was like, just going through a breakup and Oh, it was rough. But the, the, somehow this farm, this ranch where my parents live, like it used to be something I couldn't get far enough away from. And then in those like months, it became like such a refuge and a sanctuary to like remember, okay, my yoga home isn't India. My yoga home is like here, you know, and like the tough times, the hard times, it's for anybody, but I think especially one that's like has the awareness and knowledge of yoga and the principles. It's like, okay, how can, what's the teaching here? Like, what's the sadhana? It's all sadhana. Like it's all coming from the self through the self for the self. So like to be humbled in that, I think for me last year was like, you know, we went through different experience and, uh, but still we have the shared, like shared human nature of like what it means to suffer what it means to learn what it means to like grow out of that you know yeah oh my god you talk about humbling moving in with your parents is super humbling <laughs> yeah our little one fern has a uh, this book it's just for girls but i every night before bed i read it too it's so fun it's like it gives you a list of things to look for and you have to find them in the book. And yesterday was all about cats and lions. So I thought of you because they were giving me a hard time last night because Leo the lion says, I'm the best looking cat here, right? Right? <laughs> there's all these cats. And the Leo is like, it's pretty funny. That's funny. You know, one time I met this Leo traveling and my boyfriend, Simon, he's also a Leo. And we both have lion tattoos. And I met this guy and he had a lion tattoo. And I'm like, oh, are you a Leo? He's like, a Leo will always let you know he's a Leo. And I'm like, that's so true with the lions. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I got something. Hopefully I can recall it. Okay, I love Rumi. And for all the yoga teachers out there, if you want to be like, oh, what a great spiritual teacher, just take a Rumi book, open it, you're good. Tattooing in Kazuin. In Kazuin, they have a custom of tattooing themselves for good luck with blue ink on the back of the hand, the shoulder, wherever. A certain man goes to his barber and asks to be given a powerful heroic blue line on his shoulder blade. And do it with flair. I've got Leo ascending. I want plenty of blue. But as soon as the needle starts pricking, he howls. What are you doing? The lion. Which limb did you start with? I began with the tail. Well, leave out the tail. That lion's rump is in a bad place for me. It cuts off my wind. The barber continues, and immediately the man yells out, ooh, which part now? The ear. Doc, let's do a lion with no ears this time. The barber shakes his head, and once more the needle, and once more the wailing. Where are you now? The belly. Uh, I like a lion without a belly. The master lion maker stands for a long time with fingers in his teeth. Finally, he throws the needle down. 
No one has ever been asked to do such a thing, to create a lion without a tail or a head or a stomach. God himself could not do it. Brother, sister, stand the pain. Escape the poison of your impulses. The sky will bow to your beauty if you do. Learn to light the candle. Rise with the sun. Turn away from the cave of your sleeping. That way a thorn expands to a rose. A particular glows with the universal. What is it to praise? Make yourself particles. What is it to know something of God? Burn inside that presence. Burn up. Copper melts in the healing elixir, so melt yourself in the mixture that sustains existence. You tighten your two hands together, determined not to give up, saying, I and we. This tightening blocks you. Mm, beautiful. I love the line, when the thorn becomes the rose, kind of like remembering like the divine uneasiness that like even the thorn becomes the rose like when we're feeling that prick it's good good another good reminder awesome. mm -hmm. well I think that's too like a good point to wind up it's been such a good conversation I um I love to ask the guests at the end of the show for a point of self-inquiry for the listeners, the curious yogis, for me to contemplate or chew on or discover in our own practice. Sick. What's that SpongeBob thing? Like an eternity later or something. Okay, so. <laughs> it's interesting. I, like the only thing that's coming to my consciousness is like offering I'm really into Ram Das lately, and he talks about each, he talks a bit about Hatha Yoga and the postures, and to spiritualize it, to make it like an offering. So I look at, here's something to leave you with, something I'm exploring is like offering the posture and not just doing the posture, but to just listen and to be receptive. What's it like to be receptive? It's, it's been such a journey for me to find that receptivity and humility and softness. What does it mean to receive yoga rather than do it? Nice. That's beautiful. And kind of also made, made me think of what we were talking about before, how like yoga is alive and living and in that sense like if we're just open to receiving it it will come like you take one step towards there's a saying also in the scriptures take one step towards guru guru takes a thousand steps towards you so if we're just open to experiencing yoga and to receiving the benefits and the brilliance it brings into our life and the spaciousness like I'd say we're doing yoga. Amazing. Yeah. Well, also, if you want to share, like, I know the 40 days is coming up, but is there anything you want to share with the listeners where we can practice with you? October, mid-October, the 40 days sadhana starts. I'm going to add an online class in the next while, like weekly. And right now I'm on Fridays with 
um, one of the incredible yogis you interviewed, Peter Elmas, had one yoga North Man. That's it. I'm just, those are the things. Look, you can find whatever I'm doing on Instagram or my website. So it's oh. linkable on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, Facebook, or just Google. But yeah, I'm trying to get back to live online classes and the 40 days will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the 40 days. It's going to be great. Probably edit this episode in a few weeks. I think it's going to be really well received. I know you have so many people that love you and will definitely get lit up from this conversation. So thanks for being with me today, Ryan, I really, really love and appreciate you and everything you stand for. It gives me like so much hope and inspiration for like what kind of yoga we can share and over here in the West. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. I, when I think of you, I think about an embodiment of the practice. So thanks for being so, um, I'm sure, diligent and with your practice and with your seeking of the oneness before you go i want to tell you a story just because you're into lions and the lion of pune Iyengar. Mm -hmm. when i was out there (laughs) i was watching him teach a class and he was teaching garudasana Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get this specific action and so he the man is not the most humble man on the planet (laughs) and so he's trying to get people to do wasn't the most humble man on the planet but such a force of nature oh my goodness what an energy anyway he's teaching this Gardas and I asked people to go against the wall and then everybody but one person went against the wall to use it and he's like one of his longtime students and he just starts yelling at her and he's like you don't think you need to use the wall? You think you're a senior teacher? You should learn from Judy. She's using the wall and she's your student. He said, and this is when he got humble, he said, I'm a junior teacher, but I'm a senior learner and that's why I can teach you. (laughs) And I can't believe he called himself a junior teacher after teaching for, I don't know, 75 years probably. A junior yeah. teacher, but a senior learner. I love that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take that one. I'm a junior, junior teacher and probably a junior <laughs> learner too in perspective. But I'll take uh, I'll take that one with me. I'll put it in the Ryan Lear one-liners that I've got. What other one do you use that I use? The pose begins with the toes. <laughs> like I'm sharing your message all around with these great rhymes amazing i got another one for you from my anger i used to play but now i stay nice used to play but now i stay yeah that's a good one also when we want to not stay in the posture or in the seat that's for sure yeah really appreciate you yeah you too thank you so much for having me it's like such an honor to be wanted and to be people respect what i'm the work i'm doing so thank you for for letting me share what i love 
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.